0: Those of you watching online are here. Good morning. Thrilled that you're here uh, to worship Jesus together. We want to say a welcome to everyone who might be uh, newer because we're meeting in downtown Hillsboro. And maybe this just fits for you. We want to say thanks for popping in. For those of you watching online, thank you. And we want, do want to say a welcome to Austin and Kay. Who have spent the week here or the second half of the week uh, just getting to know us and our team. As we, we've been telling you, we've been praying and exploring and thinking about who it is that Jesus is leading Uh, to guide us in worship this next season. And we just uh, love and appreciate you both, Austin and Kay, and uh, are praying and discerning what would Jesus have. Hello, Daniel Roos. I want to invite him to stand up. You're all going to look over and wave to Daniel Roos. You know who he is. Um, You thought you had a commute. He flew in from Romania uh, just to worship with us this morning. Love that. And uh, Daniel and I have partnered for a long time. He lives In Romania, it's his home, uh, and sharing the gospel in many parts. So whenever there's reports from Romania, what you don't see is Daniel's behind the camera and organizing it in a gifted and godly manner. So we want to say welcome. Everyone here is willing to buy you lunch. Afterwards, just tell them, Jose said pay. And uh, you should, because that's what Jesus-loving people do. Well, uh, for those of you who are not from America, a few friends who are here, it happens to be Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you know that. And um, welcome to following Jesus day like today. I mean, uh, there's an event, I don't know if you know, during the Super Bowl, two teams are going to compete. I don't know if you know, that's part of the exercise. There actually is, it, it actually is a football game. You may not believe it. But, um, but, but like anything else, there's the thing and then there's the thing our culture makes of it. So today, uh, Americans alone will consume 28 million pounds of potato chips during the game. On top of that, to help the the chips go down, uh, we, just Americans, will consume 1.4 billion chicken wings. 1.4 billion. Poor chickens. Um, And the irony of it is, 40% of people who watch the Super Bowl today don't even like football. But when you got chips and you got wings, I mean, what wouldn't you want? We avoid commercials for most of the year, but today we're going to look at all the commercials because really there's the game, but then there's like the commercials. And if you don't care for the sport, you got Snoop Dogg at halftime Dr. Dre. And then I gosh, I'm gonna watch just for halftime. But then there's the, like that's the fun. But then there's the sad part, and maybe you're part of the the sadder part of it. Thirty-one million Americans will will bet on the game a total of $7.6 billion wasted dollars. It's about $240 a person who are not even going to the game, but are just betting on the game. If you, if you already placed your bet, Jesus loves you. Uh, <laughs> he loves you. But there's the thing, and then there's the thing that the culture makes it. And what we're doing in the series is not critiquing the culture we live in and saying they are bad and we are good. What we're asking is, are we living unmistakable lives? Are we following Jesus in the culture God has placed us in? Are we trying to live faithful to the way of Jesus? Even when the culture is taking things in directions that don't honor God, will we live unmistakable lives? I pray that we will. Last week, today's a continuation. Last week we talked about loving God. One another, and I hope that if you're in one of our community groups, guide for this week, if you missed it on the way in, every one of these messages has a guide for you to go through and tease out how to live it out. Are we straining? Remember the analogy from last week straining with every muscle to love one another. How are we doing with that? I hope your community group discussion was helpful. to, to tease out areas where maybe we need to grow in our patience with people as they are being patient with us. So that we would love one another with the same energy as Jesus, who leaves all things, and he deals with people and their foolishness out of love to serve them. Well, hopefully what we're realizing by now is to live unmistakable implies something. It implies that God has really changed your life. Because the worst thing that we could do is say, and I think this is what religious people would say, is if you do these things, then God will love you. And what we're saying is that's not the way of Jesus. It's Jesus comes and changes you from the inside and then gives you the capacity to live like he created you. And the order really matters. It's why the line from last week, I'll just put it on the screen. 1 Peter 1.23, ha- speaking to the church, you have been born again, not of, and then an analogy, perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. You have been born again. The word born again there is the word geneal in Greek. will not you say it with me? Geneal. It's not ge- word that Peter uses multiple times to describe what God has done in and through Jesus. Uh, It's the same word he uses, 1 Peter one three. The letter started this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us, and then notice the word or phrase, new birth, ganeo into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So new birth, new creation, new life, born again, all of those are English descriptors of this huge reality. And hopefully by now you've realized in coming here, this is the gift of God. Like the new birth, the new thing, the new you, it's the gift of God. Like it's not something you can make happen. So this is not you pressing in and trying harder. No, it's you receiving and being transformed more and more because we don't need a better you. We need a new you, and that's the new birth. That's what it means to be born again. Now, you do have a part to play because we know, if you read the whole Bible, that it's the hearing of the Word of God that transforms your life. So you hear that God loves you. And then you hear and are reminded that we are all broken by our sinfulness. And then you hear that God gave the great remedy to our sin. That is, he gave himself. He wasn't asking anyone to cover our sin debt. God paid our sin debt. That's the good news. And in and through Jesus, because he's risen and alive, we can receive the gift of grace and mercy and a new start, new creation, new you, Uh, Let me repeat it. God changes us. We don't change ourselves. We partner with God in his transforming power. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that I'm partnering with God. I'm allowing God to be God in my life. And because God is God in me, I can look and think and act and love one another like God loves. It's actually possible. A helpful quote from one of my... um, Mentors, a theologian here in town. He teaches at Western Seminary. So many of you know him. Gary Bershears this is how he looks at the word, new birth, new creation, born again. Quote, it's the act of God implanting the new heart and the new spiritual life empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I love this phrase. So that the deepest desires of the person is made Holy. I want to tease this out for a couple of minutes because we're going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It's all based on the new birth. If we miss this, we're going to miss the command, okay? So this is a setup to think about what we're called to look at today. New heart. That is, God changes us when we believe, when we respond in faith and trust at the deepest level. We're now alive to God's voice because we've been given a new heart. And then it's a new life. Same face, whether everyone thinks it's cute or not, you got the same faith. Same human DNA. When I receive Jesus Christ on the outside, I've been. But the reality of it is, I now belong to God because I've been adopted into his family. I am now connected at the deepest level to God. But this new life, and I want, I want to emphasize this, is empowered by the living Holy Spirit to do God's work in my own human power. This is huge. Living the Christian life is not about God loves me, God forgives me, God makes me new, and says, now work it out. That is not very helpful. No. God makes me new. God comes and dwells within me. In and through my life. Now here's a weird one. Pause uh, for technical difficulties. Am I cutting in and out or no? Okay, I'm like, wow. Well, for a few seconds, I sound really good. And then I, I feel like my, the anointing just left. and I, But then it came back, and I thought, wow, God, you're so gracious. So the test will be, if you can understand anything I had just said, it, sh- it proves you've been born again. No. Here's what I'm going to do. Pause for a commercial break. Eat a fictitious chicken wing. Go. I'll be right back. I know that intro is helpful for for all sorts of reasons. All right. You'll catch half this message. You watch it twice. You'll catch the second half. God is able. All right. So the new birth is is the act of God in planting. So I get a new heart. I get a new life. And this new life is empowered by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, and when when Gary Brashear say this, it it just about uh, set me on fire My deepest desires are now godly desires. I want you to think about that. At the deepest level, we all have desires. When I am born again, now my deepest desires are holy. My deepest desires are godly. My deepest desires are God's desires. And some of you are saying, well, then I must not be a Christian because, Jose, the thing I think about most <laughs> at the time is not godly, and I want you to catch this. It doesn't mean, that does not mean, I always live out God's desires. It doesn't mean I always fulfill holy, godly desires, but it does mean this, and this is what defines us as Jesus' children, uh, daughters and sons. Your deepest desires are the Spirit's desires because the Spirit lives in you. And this is the reason and the rationale for us to live godly lives. It's to, to allow those deepest desires, which are God's desires, to become my greatest desires. So over time, I actually want more of what God wants and less of what my competing desires are. Isn't that good news? your deepest desires. You're saying, well, well, maybe after six years of being a Christian, maybe then my—no, no, no, no. For the moment you're born again, your deepest desires are for God because God has come to dwell within you. Now, maturity and growth is about tapping into those deepest desires that come from God and evaluating every desire in light of those deepest desires. In light of all that, now we can read uh, 1 Peter 2, and we'll read the first three verses. They're so good, and um, we'll just read them. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good." Let me repeat that last line again. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. See, this is where it comes down to competing desires. Don't mind me. I just threw an expensive microphone uh, to the side. That was a competing desire. Crave. It's the one thing we're invited to do. This sounds like a whole list of rules, and it's actually not. There's one imperative command. And everything else revolves around it. So God here is saying, there's one primary thing I'm inviting you to do, 26 West Church. And then in light of that one thing I'm inviting you to do, all of these other things don't make sense. And the, the imperative, the command, the invitation is to crave. Say it with me, crave. By halftime, you're going to want another chicken wing. That Those chips and guac are not going to last you very long. But by the end of the game, you're going to be tired of craving because you're going to be bloated and like wishing you hadn't indulged in every desire. But you have desires. The question is, what are we craving? So let's, in light of that, think of the things that don't make sense. Therefore, in light of this this born-again experience, you are made holy because God is holy. Your deepest desires are the Spirit's desires. In light of all that... Get rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. All of these invitations to avoid are in light of what we saw last week, to love one another deeply from the heart. So God wants us to love one another deeply from the heart with every muscle strained. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. He's empowered us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He's empowered us to live the way of love. And if we're living the way of love, these other things are going to keep us on that path and avoid us from getting off track. We don't live out and act out of Malice—that's a very vague word in English. I don't use, you know, stop your malice. I just doesn't—I don't—I don't don't use that word, but it means don't live mean-spirited or with a vicious attitude. Don't, if you're called by grace to love one another, then don't treat people with a mean spirit or with a vicious attitude. Don't be wicked in the way you think about and treat one another—is what he's saying. And that, to live the way of love, I want to avoid this, this viciousness that can come when people, I don't know if you've discovered this, sometimes people disagree with the very right me. I don't know, maybe you have a right me and a wrong me. I just have a right me. Whatever I think is inherently what? Right, in my own mind. But the challenge is when I meet other humans, they have different opinions. And when other humans have different opinions, I can choose to treat them out of love or with a vicious attitude. I could be mean-spirited towards you. But th- no, 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 I've been born again. So if I used to default that way, I don't have to default. Part of me wants to be mean-spirited towards you, but I have a deepest desire. That deepest desire is the Spirit's desire. And the Spirit's desire in me is to love and bless. So I'm going to be given opportunities to live vicious or with malice. Get rid of all deceit. You could translate it. Don't take advantage of each other through underhanded methods. Don't connive. Don't trick. Notice the word all. Get rid of all deceit, the obvious big lies, but the subtle ones, the passive-aggressive ones, the spin. Don't Don't treat each other. He's speaking to Jesus people. Those of you who have been attending, actively involved in church for a long time, have discovered this to be true. Sometimes Jesus people aren't Jesus-like. Would you agree? Let me rephrase it. Sometimes you're Jesus-like. Sometimes you're not. We're all. But the command is to love one another. Why? Reborn, new, new family, new heart, new spirit, new life. We're working towards new creation. God is bringing the world to newness. <laughs> One day the whole world is going to be new and sin is going to be gone and tacos are going to be calorie free. And until then, I want to live like God is bringing me towards, towards the life I'm being brought towards. I have been made new. I'm being made new. I will be made new. And I want to live more like Jesus. So get rid of hypocrisy. Don't pretend to love people. Don't don't pretend and actually live another way when they're not around. Get rid of envy or jealousy. Don't be fixated on what other people have. We are equally loved by God, but he has not equally graced us with human material things. That's just a fact. And in every church, there will be some with more, and there will be some with less. Whether that's gifts or skills or experiences, someone's Instagram feed is going to be better than yours. As a matter of fact, most are going to be better than yours. Because most are better than mine, and that's just reality. So I don't want to live as a Jesus lover, and yet subtly resent or be envious or jealous Just because God's grace on your life is different than my grace. We've all been graced by God. And we've all been given the Holy Spirit. And we're all working towards the new heavens. And we all are related to Jesus. And so this is where loving one another means thinking about my desires. Am I going to cave into my fleshly, old me desires? Or am I going to allow the Spirit's desires to drive me? Get rid of uh, slander which says, don't speak evil about each other. Don't gossip. Don't backbite. Don't tear people down verbally, especially when it's behind their back. All of these things. Uh, we would all agree, if you're a parent, would you disagree with any of these things? Like, how to be a good human? These are all how to be a good human things. But the reason relationships break down in, in the people of God, in the church, is because instead of allowing my deepest desires to drive all of my desires, at times I forget that there are competing desires. And when I live according to the old me, the me before following Jesus, or you do, no wonder we end up uh, out of harmony and out of step with one another and, if I could put it bluntly, hurting one another. It's one thing to be hurt by someone who doesn't claim to follow Jesus, I don't know about you. To me, it's way more painful when a Jesus-loving person stabs me in the back. And I hear about it from somebody else because they didn't have the courage to say it to my face. Maybe that's just the New York in me. I don't know. Maybe you don't care about what people think. Um, Maybe you don't care about what people say. But I think most of us actually do. And we want to live the way of Jesus. And we are going to fail at these things at times But the call is to live an unmistakable life. And an unmistakable life is the way of love. And the way of love is not possible in my own strength. I need the Spirit of God to renew me to be able to live this way. Because this seems like a high bar. It doesn't seem like a high bar. But it's not impossible if you realize your deepest desires are godly desires. And God in you says you can live this way. Okay, so the one command here is to crave. Let's read verse 2 again. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Crave for it. Long for it. And the analogy here is so visual and vivid, it doesn't take much explanation. Babies long for their mother's milk. And if you've ever seen a really hungry child, you could change their diaper and they're still going to cry. You could give them a play toy, and they're still going to cry. When a child inherently wants to eat, it will cry and cry and cry until its craving has been, been met. You can say, take a nap, take a nap, take a nap. No, milk. I want and I need. And so the beautiful visual is what would it look like if we lived in a constant state of not being a child. He's not saying be a child but that primitive, very simple, natural, beautiful desire for what the parent has that is life-giving. What if we made that our pursuit? Basically, that's the invitation. Uh, Oh, by the way, when he says crave spiritual milk, for those of you who know the Bible well, later in, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews 5 will say that, you know, you should, you, should, you should long for more than milk, but you should crave, like, more mature solids. And, and so in Hebrews 5, the whole idea is there are basics to the faith, and in Hebrews, the basics of the faith are like milk. But you ought to grow up in your faith, and you ought to grow and mature to, like, meat and substance and, you know, protein and carbs. That's not the, those are two different metaphors. Don't mix the two. When Peter's saying crave spiritual milk, he's saying crave all of Jesus all the time. So there is a maturity that we're to have and to lean into. But here, Peter is not saying, like, grow up. He's actually saying crave Jesus. And when you crave Jesus, you will have all that you need to live the godly life. A long quote from one of the commentators in and Karen, I don't know if it's pronounced Job's or Jobs or Jobay's, or I don't know what it is. One day I hope to meet her because she's just amazing. A long quote about this passage. Quote, when Peter exhorts them to crave spiritual milk, he's not telling them to crave the word of God as if commanding them to listen to more sermons or read more scriptures as good and necessary as those activities may be, especially the sermons part. I think she's right. Those are good things. He is saying, and catch this, God in Christ alone both conceives and sustains the life of the new birth. They're to crave the Lord God for spiritual nourishment. They've tasted the goodness of the Lord in their conversion, but there's more to be had. And I love this quote, this line. The more of the Lord to be had by Peter's readers, try saying that three times, more of the Lord to be had, more of the Lord to be had, involves putting off all evil and deceit and hypocrisies and jealousies and backbiting. Refusal to do so would stunt their growth in the new life. More of the Lord to be had. More of the Lord to be had. More of the Lord to be had. Isn't that good? The the invitation is now that we've already seen, we've been made new, our sin is really gone. Our past is really gone. Now that we've tasted some of the Lord's goodness, we ought to live with the craving. What's the craving? The more of the Lord to be had. There's, there's something more. So let's take this full circle. Everything here is about how to live out our faith with one another. This isn't just like you growing to spiritual maturity. It's you and I living the Jesus life together in a culture that has turned a game into a gambling habit and a chicken wing addiction. Now I'm for the Super Bowl and I'm going to overeat. So, so there's nothing wrong with having a good time at a party. But I think everything in this life and in our culture ought to be seen with some discerning lenses. And I ought to discern if our culture is saying this is what's appropriate, I ought to ask, is it in step with the more of the Lord to be had? Is this in step with, with what Jesus would be longing for? Here's Why? you shouldn't feel guilty about having ungodly desires. I want to set some of you free because I've actually heard this before and I've thought this before. Lord, would you take these desires away? I would just stumble over something again and again and again. and wonder, like, God, if you're good, why won't you take the desire away? Like, because if I didn't have the desire to do it, I wouldn't do it. But, Lord, what about this desire? And some, sometimes, sometimes, he might remove the desire. Most of the time, he's not. Here's what he's going to say. Crave. Think about your cravings. And, And there's the deepest part of you, which is filled with the Spirit of God and remembers that you have been born again. I'm not the old person before following Jesus. I'm actually in the sight of God made new. So I can follow Jesus because I'm not the old person. And and in the future, I will be made new. Before you know it, and for some of us, it'll be soon, uh, whenever we leave this earth and our body dies, we go on to eternity. Eternity is around the corner for all of us. Even for the kids who are in our kids' area, it's 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 60 years, 80 years away, it's a blip. I feel like the last two years were felt like 300 years and 10 minutes. It just went fast, and I can't believe it's been two years since the pandemic began. Like, wow, where did that go? It was all the time spent at home, zoned out. I don't—I lost it all. Like you know, time is fleeting, and the new creation is at the door. You will be a part of God's new creation soon. To be absent the bodies to be present with the Lord, and at the end of time, the Lord will return like he promised, and the twinkling of an eye, we will be with the Lord forever, and there will be a new earth, and there won't be fences around Main Street in the new heavens and the new earth, and it will be well, because God will be the center, and Jesus will be the one who will be worshipped, and there will be no need for a son, because Jesus is the light of the world, like, man, this is amazing, and it's around the corner. So I have been made new, and I will be made new, and this is the beauty of the Christian life. Day by day, God is making me new and inviting me to crave more of him and his power to say no to the old and yes to the new. So Jesus is saving us, and so he could just totally defeat by totally removing the other desires, and he will in the age to come, the reason that we won't sin in the future, is because that desire will be fully gone, will be made new, new creation with a new heart that doesn't lean towards sin. Man, I'm looking forward to that. I want that. But until then, let me set you free. He most likely will not stop those desires, which means having sinful desires in and of themselves is not sinful. So when you wake up in the morning you think about how you can Stab someone in the back because they emailed you yesterday. You know, okay. okay, that desire is real. It's what we do with those desires in light of our deepest desires. So those other desires, let me set you free. If you if you desire and lust after things that are not holy, don't feel bad about that in and of itself. That's what's called humanity. Humans have desires, but now that we have the spirit. I can say no by God's power to those ungodly desires and I can say yes to godly desires. And this is what it means to be born again. So the invitation, my friends, the invitation for all of us is to day by day, moment by moment, week by week. And this is why community life is so important to evaluate my desires. Just because I crave it doesn't mean I should have it. At our community group, we were having this godly discussion, but there was a text trail about what we are going to eat. And unfortunately, I went a little crazy in my desires. One, someone in our um, community group belongs to Chick-fil-A, and so that means they have access to go- godly desires. So, like, what do we bring to drink? I'm like, bring sweet tea, bring lemonade. That's from Jesus, that's from Jesus. Bring peppermint shakes, because peppermint shakes are from Jesus. Even though I know, after Christmas, peppermint shakes are gone. So we show up to our community group, and we're having pizza, and all my godly desires were there. Sweet tea from Chick-fil-A, lemonade, and peppermint shakes. They all showed up to the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I did what you would do. I had the pizza. I sucked down a whole peppermint shake. And I had two cups of sweet tea 50-50 with lemonade, which was awesome in the moment. I'm sorry, Chick-fil-A, but those things were not meant to go together. And, uh, and the next morning as I got up, I thought, those were ungodly desires. I should. I should, But I had the opportunity. It was all there. I could have said half a shake. I could have said a sip of peppermint shake. But everything within me said, suck down the whole shake, man. The shake is yours. And so I, I made some poor <laughs> desire choices. And that's cute. But let's talk about how we live with one another. Are these desires in line with God's desires? Two questions we ought to ask ourselves day by day. They're not hard. Are these desires in line with God's desires? And is this something I'm called to enjoy or avoid? These, 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 these ought to be natural questions because I belong to Jesus. I've been given a new heart. I've been given a new life. I've been given a new mind. I've been given a new future. I've been given a new power. So this is where community is really helpful because I need you to catch this. You and I will not always know what God's desires are. And I need you to remind me of godly desires. We need each other. And when you see me slipping into a second peppermint shake, I need, I need a brother or a sister to say, stop. Stop. One was good, not really. But one was good, not two. We need each other. And that's why this is a word to the whole church. We can live with love with one another. And as I think about you and as I think about this church, here, I want, here's what I want to say as I see things from a big perspective, I don't know most things about you, I believe that we are pressing in towards this. This isn't like a word to say like, can't you just love one another? I believe you are, and I see that you are, and I see the evidence of the Spirit of God transforming all of us. I love what the Spirit of Jesus is doing in you, yet there's room to grow. There's, there's still room to grow. So a word of practical love. I'm going to apply this in two ways. You can apply apply it in 200. I'm just going to narrow it down to two. Um, this this week we got word in the news. Some of you jumped out of your skin um, that the mass mandates for indoor gatherings are set to end soon. That's and some of you are, some of you are rejoicing. Some of you are not. And I'm just saying why weren't you rejoicing? But like the point is it's going to it's going to change very soon. So Oregon's opening up. And that's a nervous thing. That's a, a new thing. So here's what we need to ask ourselves. How can we show practical love to one another in a world that's changing again? That's the question. How can I, not, not, how can I indulge in my desires? The question I'm asking as a Jesus person is how can I show the greatest amount of love to people I know and don't know. And so uh, a practical perspective, just to be super practical. As a team here, the, the state mandate hasn't ended, so our staff and our volunteers are going to continue to wear a mask all the way through till, till that mandate is over. We think that honoring uh, the government when it's not directly conflicting the word of God is, is wisdom from above and honors the way of Jesus. So that's what we're going to do. And I invite you to do the same thing. I invite you to to honor that over the next few weeks. I just invite you. It's an invitation. It's not a command. It's an invitation. But you can count on when you're inviting people to church that our staff and our workers and our volunteers all will. Here's the reason why. We're not all in the same place. We're not. So I'm not asking what's my greatest desire. What am I asking? How can I show practical love? to people that might have a different way of seeing it. If we all are leaning towards love for one another, then we're actually going to care for one another, and it makes sense. Now, let's think forward past that. So the the mandates are going to end soon, and and with that, we're going to have active involvement in indoor spaces for the first time in two years that are with and without mask, And at that point, everyone is, is free to do what makes sense because it's not a mandate. But here's, here's what we need to do. I, I, need to, I need to think about, as a Jesus-loving person filled with the Holy Spirit, which you are too, I need to think about how can I show the best amount of love to the people around me. So I'm not going to judge someone because they wear a mask or don't. I'm just I'm, I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to see them as made in the image of God and loved and someone that I'm called to sacrifice towards. Whether I wear one or not, I'm not going to press my opinion on everyone else. Opinions are a dime a dozen. And all opinions are tainted. Because all opinions are partly true and partly not. Right? Truth. Truth. Is truth, but our opinions are slivers of truth and slivers of just emotion, or or, or personal preference. So here's what I want to do: is as we re-enter, we just want to show love for one another. We don't want to live mean spirited, and with a vicious attitude. And I want to see the best in you, and I'm inviting you to see the best in me. And and you may say like, well, what's the big deal about that? Mark my words: a few weeks from now, as everything changes emotion around it could grow hotter, not less. I've tracked with churches that are in states that have opened up and, and 100% have said the most challenging time was when the mandates ended and people started doing what they felt was best. It caused more disruption in church than during any other time. And I heed that as uh, an invitation to us to, to beat that trend. Because we're going to love each other with every muscle strain. Let me apply it, though, in a second way, because this hits everyone every day. Um, Let's just think about what we look at. What do you look at day by day? Okay, so we're called to crave more of Jesus. We live in a visual culture, which means today, everyone has access to every image possible, still or video, animated or live in their hand 24 hours a day. So every day when we wake up with whatever device we have or the devices around us, we're invited to look at stuff and, and intake things that either are okay with our culture or, or or even not, but we we're invited every day to think about what we stream, what we watch. And when we think about our media choices, I want to invite—and this is, again, I'm just applying in two areas to 200. Every day I ought to be asking myself, am I, by watching that, feeding my mind on something that fits with God's desires? Is, is what I'm watching on Hulu or Netflix or whatever, is this in line with godly desires— And am I watching something that Jesus would enjoy or avoid? (laughs) Wow. And this is where I can say, I crave all sorts of things. The invitation from Jesus is to crave things that are seated in him. And when I lean into those deepest desires, which are godly, and I say no to these other desires, here's what I'm going to experience. More of the presence of God. And when I'm experiencing more of the presence of God, I have a greater capacity to love my neighbor as myself. We're invited to crave. This is good. This is good news. This is good news because the Spirit of God lives in you. And so I know even if you have failed along the road like we all have, in these competing desires, today we can walk in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And today we could set the tone for tomorrow's desires, right? Because we've heard the word of truth and now we can live it out. So I'm gonna invite you to stand if you would and the band's gonna come. And what we wanna do is we wanna sing songs, speak of God's beautiful desires and power and ability to give us the strength we need to live the way of Jesus. Look, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But by the grace of God and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has given us all we need for life and godliness. It's all in Jesus. So the invitation is always to receive from Jesus all that we need. And if you're here this morning and you've not yet started following Jesus, you can. You can. You can. You could have the new birth. You can be born anew. You could have God recreate you from the deepest inner you that will show up on the outside that we see. And this is the gift of God. This is not something that you you get when you're good enough. It's something that you receive when you say, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. And I come to you. Bring me into the life of the Father. And if that's you here this morning, you can receive him. As we sing the song, I would invite you to just call on God in your own way. While everyone else is singing the songs, say, Jesus, save me, Jesus, save me. And if you call on the name of God, uh, you will be, the Bible says, rescued. Everyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be rescued. So I invite you to do that. And then in a moment, after this first song, we're going to take communion together. We're going to remember the body of Jesus broken for our sin, the blood of Jesus that wipes us clean from all wrongdoing. And we're going to celebrate his resurrection, right? Because he's alive, we're alive, and because he lives, we will live now and in the future also. So Holy Spirit of God, do your work in our lives, we pray. Holy Spirit of God, stir us at the deepest level to desire what you desire and to discern the competing desires. And Holy Spirit of God, we pray the victory that you've already given us, that we will see it this week. Lord, we'll see it. In our life and in our family, we claim this promise in Jesus' name. And everybody said with me, amen.